good, y'all. Welcome to the Heat Wave, and thank you for listening. So it's just me for the starting point of this episode, because in the last recording session that we recorded a couple weeks ago, we interviewed a, a close comrade of ours, Alexia Isais, about her recently published article that talks about the real cost of gentrification. This interview went very well. Um, we first started off talking about the article, and later we talked about the theoretical and the grandeur implications that gentrification has to the greater society. It was very interesting, and I hope y'all enjoy it. So here we have with us is Alexia. She's a member of the Party for Socialism and Liberation here in Phoenix. And she's a co-chair of Students for Socialism here at ASU. Hello. Thank you for being here. Um, <laughs> we appreciate uh, the time that you're spending us, you're spending to, uh, to be here. But um, uh, let's get this shit. Let's Let's get let's get right into it. Let's get right into it because, um, so you wrote an article for for um that's that's published on Liberation Liberation News, and um you talked about a case that that you and I and other members of the PSO ran into. Um, can you? Give a general rundown of what happened that day. Yeah, so we were scheduled to pretty much canvas in an area that we had seen on the news that was having some eviction problems. Yeah. And um, we had heard that the rent was pretty much doubled. Um, so we kind of made it a priority to get over there, canvas with materials that you know could help them with eviction, um, give them other resources that might also help with that. Um, and that was pretty much, that was the backstory on, like, how we found out, like, you know, this place was f- facing problems and why we decided to go there. Yeah. All right. Well, what, because we ran into a lady there. Um, what, and her name is Generosa. Um, what did, what's the story, what's the story that happened? What? What's her story? Yeah, what's her story, essentially? Yeah. Yeah. So her story is that she's lived there for almost about 20 years. She was, you know, she described herself as being a hard worker her whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she had moved from the Philippines to the United States, um, lived in California for a little bit, came to Arizona. Yes. And um, started to live at the complex that she's at. And from what she said... She was happy there. She felt like, you know, this was her home. And she had pretty much kind of, like, established her roots there. Um, And essentially, what was happening to her was now she was suddenly being, like, evicted. Um, And the cool thing, I guess not the cool thing, but the thing that kind of helped her situation a little bit was not signing on to a lease because they didn't have leases back then. 
Um, so her case being like one of the last remaining tenants there is that because she didn't sign a lease, there was certain like protocols that she didn't have to follow. She didn't have to like, I guess, get evicted as quickly. Um, but I mean, obviously that was definitely not enough. Um, she was still being kicked out. Um, and she had always paid her rent. Um, she paid it on time. She said that she had never previously had issues until it came to the new uh, realty management that came in and was telling her, yeah, you need to get out. Um, it doesn't matter if you can pay rent. You just, you know, you need to leave. Um, and this was in the midst of a lot of, you know, her having personal struggles, her having previously and recently had a surgery on her stomach that was very invasive and yeah. led to pretty much her being like disabled for a little while. Yeah. So you have this little old lady, um, who's very vulnerable, very, um, you know, she doesn't have much to her name. She doesn't have any family in the area. She has a dog. She yeah. has a dog. <laughs> so that's, that's her, you know, her one companion there that kind of has, has been helping her. And she actually did mention that it, it helped yeah. her out uh, emotionally. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, that's definitely not enough. And she suffered tremendous, like, emotional, um, like, I guess just baggage from having been displaced or in the process of being displaced. Um, and there was one point in the article where we even mentioned that at one point she became suicidal. Yeah. Um, and that was really hard to hear coming from a woman yeah. that is at that stage of her life because, you know, I, I feel like that wasn't something I was expecting, but that was basically her story and, and what what was happening or up until that point. Yeah. What happened? Um, what happened to her, like, afterwards? Afterwards? Yeah. So, that's hard because we don't know. Mm. She said that she was going to go to, like, a friend's house, mm. um, but she wasn't too sure. Um, she also said that she was going to move, like, somewhere, like, to, like, a retirement. She, she did mention, like... yeah, that, like, maybe there was some sort of retirement option for her, but she seemed, like, really unsure. Um, which we reached out, like, said, oh, what insurance do you have? Like, maybe you can get into a retirement home for free yeah. with the insurance for free, quote, quote, yeah. 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 Um, but that's, that's as much as, uh, we know so yeah. far. Well, I would like to congratulate you on your writing. Honestly, um, you were able to use your words very well. Um, when you wrote no improvement, no improvements to the moldy walls, weaky, weak and leaky ceilings, you painted a picture very well, which honestly resonated with me for the rest of the article. And I congratulate you for it because it's a real issue that we have to look into and give a voice to the most vulnerable, as you said. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing a great job. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I think, uh, like the... I mean, like, what's the larger issue here about, like, you know, gentrification? Maybe you should take on that. Yeah. I mean, we all read your article, but in your own words. <laughs> um, well, the broader, the broader theme of it all is that, like, this is just one story in millions, maybe even a lot more than that. Um, mm -hmm. But that's what I'm able to put my head around. It's like, oh, millions of people are facing this right now. Um, and the truth is that, like, you know, when we look at why this is even happening in the first place and why 
um, Tempe and other areas, you know, all over the country are facing like these random, seemingly random evictions. It doesn't, it, it, it actually means like, you know, that they're not random, that they're coordinated by rich white individuals and companies that purposely come in and buy uh, older apartments, um, older houses, uh, places where they know like the people there are like vulnerable. And they come explicitly to um, take advantage of the situation, buy up the property, um, and then take that property, turn it into something completely different, like a luxury apartment, and then charge like obscene rates for rent. So it's capitalism making affordable housing into something completely not affordable. And essentially like capitalism um, displacing a number of uh, different people that have already experienced oppression in several different forms, whether that's racism, sexism, um, you know, or, or being like a, a subject of like, uh, you know, imperialist oppression. And that's in the case of like um, Generosa because she, you know, she came from a different country. She came thinking that, and this is what she explained to me, is that she came here thinking that there was going to be opportunity and in the end, you know, she's at this point in her life where you should just be relaxing. You should just be like taking in your life. And at this point you're being, you know, kicked out like you shouldn't be. And, and yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of just very ob you, like obscene. Yeah. Do you guys know when she came from the, like what year? No, I don't think so. She didn't specify. Uh I remember, like, she said that she was, I think, yeah, she told, she said that she came here, like, when she was, like, in her 20s. That's what I remember. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I find it very interesting that, I didn't know that, I mean, maybe I missed it in the article that she was an immigrant, but, uh, uh, I mean, it's super interesting seeing the, the connection there, you know, like, um. The imperialism of it all—it's <laughs> always there. Um, just to get a bit more theoretical, <laughs> um, this—how—how how would, from what you interpreted of the situation, how would you perceive this as the like when it comes to like the cycle of displacement? Because, you know, that's that's a housing that's that's related to the housing question um are you familiar with like the the cycle of displacement and, and... uh i've never heard of that specific term okay yeah me neither um okay so when i when i what i mean by cycle of displacement is like angles interpretation which i feel like is a very good interpretation i've not read his like the actual text i have a bookmark but I have not gone to it. But his main idea is that um, capitalism always tries to um, move people to different parts. Uh, like um, people's people people's housing that are most valued, obviously the bourgeoisie, the, the rich, and um, and that is always at a like a static placement they always have consistent and when it comes to the working class they're always pushed aside they're always pushed aside 
and they're always in this cycle of displacement, cycle of removal, cycle of force, force relocation, and um, looking at this small individual case, like you mentioned previously, this happens millions of times over and over and over and over again. How would you place this small case? It's not really a small case, but it's actually a huge case, but... Um, this one case? This one case. How would you place this one case in the larger in the larger scheme of things? Critique of capitalism. In the larger critique of capitalism. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, like, I I guess you can put it as like it it fits in in that process as like like one. This is like one singular person um, who thought that they had found their home. Um, and is now being taken away from that. Mm. Um, and in the broader scheme of thing, I mean, it, it, it's uh, in the broader scheme of things, it's um, the process of gentrification, which I think goes more within like the subsection of what you were talking about. Um, because people are always being displaced in different ways. Mm-hmm. They're being displaced because of climate change, because of imperialism. Um, you know, like. We, we ask ourselves questions about like, okay, well, why did she have to move from the Philippines to here? Why did, um, you know, why did this company decide to go in and start evicting people? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like when it comes down to it, like at its core, um, she's been like the victim of like profit generation and like yeah. like capitalist profit generation in a way that like, it involves using human beings as collateral collateral damage. Yeah. Um, and she's that that essentially like a, a pawn um, to the capitalist system. She's a pawn for the capitalist system to kind of just move around uh, wherever it wants. And I say that in a way that like kind of makes capitalism seem like a like a ghost, but it's it's really not. I mean, like it's a system that like. It, it probably led to, like, the reason why she moved here. And it is certainly the reason why she was being kicked out of her housing there at the, at the apartments. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of, like, maybe where it fits in in the broader scheme of things. Yeah. And that's just one case. That, like, he, like just hearing her explain her story, that was, like, a lot when the, when, when she explained it but I was just like thinking shit this happens every single day every single I don't know like second but like yeah. just thinking about how someone needs to because obviously moving out of your situation moving out of like your home is difficult and while many people like take for granted immigration take for granted like this whole um this whole idea of like oh um i'm just gonna go one place to another just like that here like in the united states like some people do it out of luxury some people do it out of necessity but in other places um it's less it's much much more of a need so um when it, it just really I don't know what I'm saying exactly. I don't know where I'm headed, but it just it just 
puts a lot of like it gives uh, a true reality track to like the idea of gentrification because it seems like not many people focus on like the human aspect of gentrification because you hear liberals always talking about oh gentrification is a problem um, but they they give these these just these lip service mm-hmm. bullshit answers to it. But like it's in reference to culture. It's like yeah. oh, there's right. these things, but it's not about like an individual like anecdotal story about yeah. how it affects someone's life. They they don't they they just use it for like you know political gain. They they if if someone truly knew like the understanding like the the complexity of gentrification, they wouldn't be so fucking like complacent about it, mm-hmm. or so opportunistic about it. Mm-hmm. So, well, one thing that uh, makes me think about is like uh, why a rent is going up so much recently. You know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Um. Well, like capitalists always say, like, oh, you know, it's the market and it's inflation and blah. And this is true, like, I mean, but I mean like, if you look at the market, I mean. I don't know. Rent seems to be going up a lot higher than a lot of things. Like, yeah, right. Because you see, uh, like, there's like there's general talk of like uh, I don't know if you see the Fed talk about like, oh, it's transitory inflation or whatever, and like stuff does get like, like some stuff that uh, you've seen like get super high and then like come down in price, like lumber or whatever, and like cars. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Now it's it's feeling like uh, that that's not true for rent. Like rent doesn't yeah. really go up and down, you know. It just kind of like just goes, up, goes up and then it stays up. there most of the time. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know. It, um, yeah, you have any thoughts on like. On yeah, I was going to say that like, I mean, because the capitalists always say it's inflation, they're able to like deflect and say like, oh, well, you know, that's kind of something that's out of our control. And that's something that the market kind of does on its own. And that's really an excuse for very conscious decisions the shit decision <laughs> that's an excuse for very conscious de- decisions being made um by people in the offices you know the big buildings that we see all around us that's all like very like very palatable and like they have this they have all these like things documented in meetings um in the way that we meet to organize or in whatever case when we go to school like we have like very concrete things that we want to achieve there are people who dedicate their lives to um specifically like making things like gentrification happen um because if they didn't make it happen then they wouldn't make any money um and you know like i've seen tiktoks and videos where people are like oh how i've expanded my revenue and my business venture blah 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 how they've made more money by being a landlord and stuff like that. And this, like, I feel like there's kind of been, like, an increased trend in this, like, entrepreneurial or, um, like, business, like, venture to kind of capitalize on property, um, increase the rent, make a trendy cafe um, on, like, the bottom floor and then the top floor is, like, you know, the the um the apartment complexes or whatever so and that's just friend yeah. they just friendly mentioned on the video like eh, the place was displaced like they just oh the people just left <laughs> kind of thing when yeah. they buy like a duplex or a six building apartment no there were like 
families living there. You don't know, give a fuck about none of those people. You're just talking about making money and expensive those people's life. And, like, that made me think, too, about how recently, like, they were trying to... They're making it illegal to be homeless, technically. You know, like, you cannot be in public and not have a housing, have all your belongings and stuff. And campings. And that made me think, then, the rent's going higher, the people getting displaced, the more homeless people are going to be, they're just trying to fill prisons with people. Right now, probably. And trying to just move the rich people to these places that they're just making it more comfortable for themselves and fill the prisons to get more money because they probably the same people that are making those prices higher for the rent are probably aware of how much money they can make out of these privatized prisons that they're probably investing in already mm-hmm. that's what i think about that so like in a way gentr- gentrification is another example of how capitalism injures our empathy to have with others. And then they rely on dehumanizing the people to push the overall greedy agenda. You know, in the article, she, um, you eloquently put it as having no mercy for the tenants, as um, the only answer they were able to give is, it's not our problem. And it's really sad. Because then it goes into what you were saying, Nikki, about... Um, the the prison system no but yeah you're completely yeah. right that's what i trying to say i mean that shows like how the financial system is like tied into all this because blackrock you know they own prison stock they own uh you know they own uh, me- uh like fucking weapon manufacturing stock they own they own amazon stock you know they own fucking uh ha- like uh development ha- uh, uh fucking stock so they're like and like uh, you know it it seems you know weird to me to like not talk about that stuff most people don't i guess <laughs> i mean uh it's weird when you start talking about banks because it could lead to a weird place <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rabbit hole the rabbit hole yeah a bad rabbit hole i mean there's a <laughs> there's a good rabbit hole to go down with banks and then there's the anti-semitic rabbit hole <laughs> yeah, yeah uh but yeah i mean they're kind of the root of a bunch of problems around here um, I just saw that Zillow was like buying up a shit ton of houses in Phoenix. Zillow, uh, Zillow, yeah, like way over the price too. Like how? So what they do is like buy a bunch of houses in a neighborhood. So they have all the like data, right? Look, like where people are looking to move, and so like if they see a neighborhood with a bunch of houses, what they'll do is like start buying any house that comes up in that neighborhood for market price, and then what they do uh, once they buy like five or ten houses in that same neighborhood, they buy the next one for, like, 50000 over asking price, right? And, like, whoever's selling that is going to be like, hell yeah. But what that does is bring all of their other houses up to that price, right, 50000 more. So what they essentially did is by paying $50,000 for one house, they increased the property value of all their other houses in that neighborhood by $50,000. And mortgage know? company does so that, that within each other too. They be selling... Uh, groups of houses to other companies for higher prices so they can um, up all their artificially prices. Artificially inflate the prices. Yeah. Artificially inflate the prices, yeah. yeah. But that's so common and it's 100% legal. Yep. And it happened a lot recently because all the money that they printed for the... Um, well, I say printed, but really... <laughs> uh, they gave uh, they gave away um, uh, for... Uh, like from the uh, 
the uh, Fed. The Fed, yeah, from the CARES Act. Cause all that money led to directly like after that happened after that got passed like my my house went up in value by like a hundred thousand dollars in like six months oh. right so like that's ridiculous uh, <laughs> but that's because all these banks were like doing that shit you know and increasing the whole market price and now that's leading to all these rent increases increases. Well, I was curious how that ended up working out for the, like, apartment. Like, they essentially, they evicted all their tenants. So did they end up attracting richer, like, clients? Or what, you know, what happened? Yeah. I think because they're still in the process of kicking people out or completely kicking out. Because we saw people, you know, like, coming in with trucks, trying to get the rest of their stuff. Um, so they barely got everyone out. Now, I guess either they're going to start, like, Tearing things down and building up a new luxurious oh, they're gonna re- place. Re- rebrand. Maybe they'll put like something else there. They're gonna put something definitely else. Something else that's gonna be like, you know, that can generate a lot more revenue than having a bunch of people be there paying like uh, affordable mm-hmm. rent costs. So. Well, they say that it brings a lot more revenue, right? But it's really just stolen from. <laughs> it's just stolen from like third world people you know it is yeah. stolen it yeah. is got like yeah it is stolen I mean how many of these places would actually be able to self-sustain without imperialism none of them zero <laughs> so yeah well I was gonna say I, thought, I also thought it was like worth noting how like a lot of the, well, one of the main reasons why businesses are moving in attempt is because ASU is, like, so successful and it's such, like, a, like, a big college. So I was wondering, like, as ASU students, like, as, since we, like, pay our tuition to the school and then we can, like, contribute to research, how, how are we contributing to the, like, the, the gentrification, if we are? Well, I think that, like, a lot of students, like, I wish students could like kind of see past whatever background they come from mainly that background being like wealthy um you know coming from oh yeah like my dad's a senator or all those kinds of kids that you see um there's i would say that's like the majority of people that are here and the majority of those kids don't care about gentrification and then there are the students who do care about gentrification and who do care like about displacement and it doesn't mean like you know, we should just stop paying tuition to the university because obviously if you do that and you can't be a student anymore, I think it should just come with like some degree of awareness and some degree of action that you're putting into like actively making sure that stuff doesn't happen or bringing attention to the issue. Um, Because I do feel like a lot of students are just extremely like bourgeois. They don't want to see past that bubble and that is contributing to like a problem of awareness it's contributing to uh a problem of like political uh i guess political consciousness as well and that like you know these people have all the resources um available to them to educate themselves about it and they they don't do it because they don't care um or whatever reason the other day I was in a restaurant and I overheard because I'm she's most I overheard a <laughs> I heard Same. a conversation going on between like a new ASU student, a younger ASU student, um, and her father, and, like, they were going there to, like, eat lunch or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. and 
the the girl's like, oh yeah, I I hate the areas of Tempe that are like ghetto, um, and she was like, I'm glad that like I'm in a place that's like not like that. I guess because she was just talking with her dad about how her experience has been like here in Tempe because like she probably moved. Um, her dad's like, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully they'll buy up the spots and like you know they'll kind of make something out of the area. I was really disgusted, but. When yeah. you think about it, that is how a lot of ADC students think and a lot of their parents think and they don't see it as a human issue. They see it as like an issue of their comfort. Uh-huh. They think, do I feel comfortable here? If the answer is yes, then they're not going to change things. If they say, I don't feel comfortable around all these poor people, then you know they're going to put an effort to like actively change and gentrify the community. So by not being aware, that's as much, like, damage that you can do. You're socially accepting that it's okay for poor people to be kicked out of their houses when it's not. And that shouldn't be the case. Like, it should be that if you see people getting kicked out where they where they live, that should, like, trigger, like, an empathy response. Definitely. But it's not. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think he's... Oh. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I was going to say, like, I think it's more than, like, they don't care. It's, like, literally against their class interests, right? Right. They're, like, <laughs> like if they were to care and stop that, they would literally not be rich people, right? So, um, so it's, like, I, there's, whether whether you're a student uh, and whether you're paying tuition and whether that tuition, like, is helping, you know, expand the, the gentrification depends on whether, what your class is. Because, like, if you're a lower class, you know, you're not coming to ASU out of choice, really, you know? <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to survive, really. Like, that's what it's been sold to you as, you know, as a survival thing. You, you got to go to college if you're going to make it, if you're going to make it out of here, dude, uh, you know? Uh, so I, I personally feel like, like, our, like, students of color, lower class students contributing to, like, the gentrification by paying tuition to ASU, no. But do, do I think that rich kids that come to ASU are doing that? Yes, right? Uh, and because, like, because they come here, you know, and they're rich already, ASU doing gentrification literally is benefiting their class, right? So, like, that's, like, you know, that's why I think that they're actually contributing while, like, people of color that go to university are not. Um, and not only that, them. but, like, it's not like, you know, the people of color make decisions, you know. There's not enough of us here. To be making decisions anyway, so yeah. Well, I I thought the conversation with the student and her father was interesting because it seems like like the reason they don't want to care is like encountering poverty or encountering people who are in like a like a position that's lower than them that makes them feel uncomfortable. Just like even being aware of that. That's some racist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they, they feel uncomfortable because they know that they're, they're benefiting from it. I feel like you know, at least, at least on an unconscious level, some, some like that, you know. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, they know that like they're racist because they benefit from like racism, you know. And it's interesting because ASU has been doing it for such a long time. I remember a professor um, telling us, um, you guys do not pay attention at all at what is going on with the tuition money or what's going on with where the funds are going. Because when he went to school and it was, let's just say it was two dec- around two decades ago, it was 
like he said we were known as a party school because there was a bar in every corner there was tuesdays where we would get a penny beer you know and then so because asu wanted to leave that stigma they started buying the property around and raising their rents and mm-hmm. so then the bars or whatever they wanted to kick out they couldn't afford it anymore so then they would have to leave they would close down and now asu is buying so much property around and it's happening for such a long time this was two decades ago and it's and it doesn't feel like it's gonna stop and I even mean, before that too like there was a whole um I believe it's some sort of like Mexican American community that was yeah. here, and it was huge. Yeah, and this was a area of of affordable housing. This was an area of like community, and ASU comes in as a company, buys up all the property. I mean, the very founding of ASU is like a gentrifier founding yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, and then it's not just here in Tempe. Like it started yeah. here. And then now there's like campus all over the place, right? Like, so it's like, it's definitely a leading driver of uh, gentrification, ACU, because they, they opened it like on the West Campus is like in a pretty round down area too, you know? Is um, that area getting gentrified as well? Or? Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. I mean, now it is. It's starting to, you know, it's like ASU was the start because like everything yeah. around it is not that great, you know? It's pretty, yeah. uh, um, what is it? lower class area yeah. uh except asu you know <laughs> and either there's fields and like run down like fucking you know shacks and shit mm-hmm. and like uh liquor stores and then there's asu you know just like it was here before yeah. you know yeah they i used be- to live in the villa for two years and it was always like ongoing constructions everywhere so it was like cheaper for the moment and as soon as the whole food over there got built the rent went up like $300 for everybody in the complex area I used to live. It was crazy. They got rats. They got rats too, yeah. I fucking hate them. <laughs> I fucking hate them. They didn't do nothing either. I find out that my la- that the person to say that was my landlord coming to my house to do reparation was actually a person paid by a company that by all the complex around them and that I could get a hold of the person that was actually paying my money up so it was impossible to get any solutions to my house. I was literally just being a standby. Nobody was, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Everybody had rats there. And that was the best solution. Just live there and like deal with it. Is there any, um, anything else that you want to add? Uh, one thing I do want to add for sure is that like, um, like this isn't like what happened to Generosa is that like she is like a victim of class warfare um and class warfare like between you know this this class of people that have everything you know obviously the capitalists and she's she's you know a a working class person and that's kind of like why why it constitutes as warfare is because she was at jeopardy physically mentally um and her life you know is on the line now and she didn't wasn't a hundred percent sure about where she wanted to go, so like acts of this of gentrification of displacement or acts of violence, um, inherently, and I feel like there's no way you can like get out of that area of thinking because that that's kind of like it is what it is and yeah that's pretty much. All right, well, 
Thank you for uh, thank you for being here. I very very much appreciate um, you writing the article and also explaining further explaining the article to us. And um, we hope that we'll have you here again. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. yeah I mean, you wrote somebody wrote an article about ASU today, right? Now. Daniel. Daniel. Okay. <laughs> we'll have we'll have him on. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. And when you write another one. all right so just to close out the special episode i wanted to give a special shout out to the psl psl phoenix sfsasu and psl tucson they're great comrades of ours uh alexia's part of them and we highly recommend y'all checking them out um, if you want to learn more about Mecha the ASU, we recommend you checking out our Instagram, which is at, at Mecha the ASU. And if you want to stay up to date about the show, feel free to contact us on Instagram at THWPod. That's all, everybody. The struggle continues. Venceremos. Twitter, but bitches, you actually paid. Uh-uh. Nobody guards can't keep you safe. I tell the rules I'm